0: This is Keith Bia of Saria Brewing Company, and you're listening to the Beer Mighty Things Podcast. We have to shift the paradigm of giving
1: to value add, not zero sum. All right, well, welcome into the Beer Mighty Things Podcast. It's what you listen to while you brew. It's what's in your ears as you drink beers. Today's guest needs no introduction. He's been a mentor of mine. He doesn't even know it. Uh, he's been a mentor to many. He hosts The Playbook, which is an entrepreneurial podcast that I listen to every single morning for probably about three years now. He served as the CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. Yes, that Jerry Maguire. He's considered by Entrepreneur Magazine and Forbes as a world-renowned motivator. Please welcome in Mr. David Meltzer. David, thank you. How are you? Amazing. It's so
0: great to be here. You know, there's certain shows that just fit my frequency, and this is absolutely a show that fits my frequency. And to hear that you've been a mentee from afar just excites me even more. And I hope there's more mentees from afar listening in today so that we can help accelerate, grow together to make more money, help more people, and have more fun.
1: Perfect. So, with that being said, what is your life mission?
0: How many people are we empowering? over a billion. Remember I said over a billion people to be happy. I'm looking for guys like Kyle and his community to be empowered, to make that money, help more people and have more fun so that they can help more people do the same. What I want to do is create a collective consciousness of abundance of happiness because one little particle of light overcomes a million particles of darkness. And I want more particles of light in my life.
1: I love it. So, you know, we kind of have a little bit of a similar background, single mom raising kids, um, you know, didn't exactly have that father son experience we wouldn't have hoped for. I hear a story about the jacket and all that. But, you know, we could have taken this route and went the other way. Right. You you could go down a dark tunnel, but you have at some point, you know, chosen to elevate others around you. Why? Well, I grew
0: up that way, right? I grew up with a mom who taught me the fastest way to get to what I want is to help other people get what they want. And my mom lived that as a second grade teacher. My mom lived that filling up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards just so we could eat. My mom lived that by pouring not only into her six children, who ended up being extremely passionate, purposeful, and profitable, but pouring into second graders and fourth graders and pouring into elementary school kids and Sunday school kids and her local community and also for women's rights. My mom poured into everyone and elevated everyone. But I'll tell you, there was one component, the second half, the yin to the yang that I was missing that, you know, after 35 years, uh, as my wife and my my mom uh, finally said, oh, I think you get it. And that's the second way to get what you want is not only to elevate others to get what they want, but ask for help. Find people in the situation you want to be in and ask them for directions. And both of those together, the yin and the yang of help. Uh, is absolutely the fastest, most efficient, effective, and statistically successful way to get what you want to hopefully help people
1: and have fun. Yeah, I kind of live that. If I were to get a tattoo, I think it would say give first. That's just, you know, when you give first, you get so much more back, even if you don't expect it or don't need it or don't want it. What you mentioned there about the help, and I've kind of been kind of regurgitating this, is a lot of folks think that when you ask for help, it's a sign of weakness. But you have... And, you know, put this into my mind as asking for help is actually a sign of strength. Absolutely. Why is that so
0: often misinterpreted? Because everybody lives in a zero sum game, right? They were taught like you and I, the more you give, the more you give, give first. I believe in kindness, Mm -hmm. but I believe actually in receiving uh, because receiving is giving. See, when we receive, we're giving someone the greatest gift of giving. We're empowering them. We're complimenting them. We're investing in them and allowing them to invest in us. And it's a value add game that I want. If I had a tattoo, it would say kindness on one arm and value add on the other to not only appreciate to add value to everything that I do, not only acknowledge, remember acknowledgement is acquiring the knowledge of what we have. So you can't really appreciate something unless you acquire the knowledge of what it is you're appreciating. And the only way to appreciate and acknowledge, the only way to acknowledge is to not have it anymore. So most people think the only way we can not have it anymore is to give it away. I disagree. I say you could lose it, have it manipulated, stolen, or cheated from you, not only acknowledge what you have that way, but also receive an additional lesson, an additional value add to the acknowledgement. And then most importantly, what most people like you and I have difficult times doing, and I guarantee your single mom has a difficult time doing because mine did as well, that's asking for more. We have to shift the paradigm of giving to value add, not zero sum. See, the problem with the guilt that goes along, the shame, the blame, the justification that goes along with giving is that most people don't realize that when we ask for help, when we receive, we are actually imposing giving into the mixture by allowing someone else to feel uh, that power of giving and to make them feel more worthy, more
1: valuable by asking them for help. I love it. You often discuss, you know, a person's energy and you already mentioned the frequency and you have recently, not recently, but in a recent podcast, but often you say, hey, that money is attracted to you. So in this situation, um, can we take a little trip down memory lane and, you know, your mom's thoughts on on the Internet and it being a fad and, and you know, tell me about it. you get your first job. And now all of a sudden you might you may or may not have been her her favorite kid all of a sudden.
0: <laughs> yeah, what for sure. Well, I came from talk about a world of scarcity. world of not enough. And so when I graduated law school, I just wanted to be rich. But my only criteria for my profession out of law school was what job paid the most. So I had two job (laughs) offers, one for 150 grand plus bonus being an oil and gas litigator. Reason I went to law school where I did was because they had the highest paid graduates that were in oil and gas litigation. I didn't care about anything in the making the the, the quan, as they say. Mm -hmm. But I also... My maritime law professor was a leading publisher with West Publishing, and they created this thing on the internet, legal research on the internet in 1992. And so I went to my mom and I said, mom, what job should I take? And that one had a $250,000 comp plan to it. I asked my mom, what should I do? Without blinking, she said, you got to be a lawyer, Dave. Don't you dare work in the internet. It's a fad. You're going to lose all your money. It's never going to last. And Nobody's ever going to do research on the internet. You need books to do do research. I'm a teacher, trust me. Well, I, for the first time in my life, did not take my mom's advice. I decided that just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. Uh, Sometimes the most ignorant, arrogant people in the world are the people that love us the most because they're so afraid of something happen to you. They're so afraid for you to fail. That they give you bad advice to protect you, and they always go for the safe choice, not the right choice. And luckily, I went for the right choice. And nine months out of law school, I was a millionaire. And three years later, we exited for three point four billion dollars with the B in 1995, when most people weren't exiting for a billion dollars. So uh, it was quite a shift in my perspective and paradigm of how to be passionate purposeful and profitable. The only negative was it just reaffirmed one negative idea that money does buy love and happiness. But as we discussed, something would happen when I was
1: in my mid-30s to change that paradigm as well. Absolutely. So again, this this podcast is called Beer Mighty Things. It's based on the Dear Mighty Things quote by Teddy Roosevelt. So if you didn't Dear Mighty Things, you would have never been in that scenario. So you know, you went with the uncertainty, but you bet on yourself. At one point early on, you make over $100 million. And then what happens with that $100 million?
0: I lose it all. And I lose it all because I don't have the right mindset, heart set, and handset. I had a lesson to learn. Pain, failure, setbacks were all in my life. And I realized at that time that I was no longer punished. I don't live in a world of not enough or even just enough buying shit I don't need to impress people I don't like. But I lived in a world of more than enough. I lived in a faithful world that I'm happy already. I don't need to be more happy, more healthy, more wealthy, more worthy. I am. I am that. And I am that which I am, which is happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I just had to figure out what I was doing to interfere with it. And so I started utilizing values and daily practices, taking stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. Thanks to my wife and her guidance of the ability to do so and her telling me I was lost, telling me she was leaving me, that I was going to end up dead if I continued to act the way I was acting. You see, I was worth over $100 million and I ran the most notable sports agency in the world. So not only was I rich, but I had access to things that even the richest people can afford to do. And so I was so full of self. I was so ego driven. I had so many needs to fill for that ego to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, that it was getting in the way of what my potential was, my real truth, my real potential. So I decided to reinstate those big ideas, as you talk about at this show. I started saying to myself, yes, I'm going to have outrageous, audacious objectives in the future, but... I'm going to utilize daily practices that are realistic to get there. So I created a philosophy of the what, the who, the how, the now, and the why, which I give to everybody, as you know, Kyle, everybody can email me, david at dmeltzer.com. If it's free, it's we. So email me. I'm happy to give it to everyone. My books, my guides, my exercise, my free training, my podcasts, my shows,
1: it's all free. Just got to email me. I love it. I love it. Uh, Yeah, that that daily practice for me is, you know, finding gratitude. I think once I started writing down uh, what I'm grateful for every day, every morning and night, and then also doing my affirmations of I am dot dot dot, that that changed your world to change my world into a world of abundance. Um, So I guess that that's a question. You know, what what is it about the relationship with money that people get wrong? Because it's available to anybody, but not almost not until you're ready for it, maybe.
0: Yeah, well, you can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. So you need to elevate your own awareness, your own frequency in order to uh, be aware of the abundance that is around you, the options, the opportunities, the touches of favor. I always say your frequency is your neighborhood. So do you want to live in the projects in Akron, Ohio, sitting on a lawn chair, drinking a Colt 45 with tremendous ideas with no one to help you? Or do you want to live in the dream homes by having big dreams and raising your frequency so that when you turn turn around to your neighbor and say, hey, I got this outrageous, audacious idea. They're like, yes, that's amazing. Let me give you a million or $2. Increasing the options, opportunities, and touches of favor. So we have to understand the energy of money is not enough being a victim. You can't have that mindset. Just enough buying things you don't need to be happy, more things to be happy, different things to be happy, impressing people with your money, which ends up in a complete void, shortage or obstacle, emptiness, a world of, for me, Instead of living in a world of faith, abundance, that there's something bigger than you, an infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful source that loves you more than your mom, so it's always protecting and promoting you, and it's using pain, setbacks, and failures as an indicator that it's protecting and promoting you, not punishing you. Mm -hmm. You just don't know what you don't know. So don't live in the ignorant arrogance, live in the ignorant humility that I don't know what I don't know. So I'm going to do my best, learn lessons and have fun every single day in a trajectory of outrageous, audacious objectives in the future. Living in a world of more than enough is taking yourself out of the zero sum game and living in the value add game where you give to receive and receive to give because giving and receiving are one. You appreciate, acknowledge and ask for more with full face that there's more, more than enough, of everything for everyone, I couldn't have said it better myself, David. Thanks for having me. On.
1: Uh, so let, let's quick hit on those setbacks and failures. I know we're a little tight on time here, but you know I'm assuming you're a competitive guy and like to win, right? So you know through your sports days and whatnot, and even through being in sales, um, you know working with athletes, I'm sure you hate losing. So in the sales world, we work so hard to nurture our current clients' relationships, onboard new clients. We obviously want to keep them, and we, we do our best, and we think things are going well. So, you know, has there been a time in your, you know, business working with athletes where you thought you had a great relationship, that athlete ends up leaving your firm, and, you know, you're devastated. So how do we lose with grace? You know, that, that's something I'm trying to figure out here. It's bound to happen, right? So there's, there's probably a right or wrong way to do so it. So
0: remember, right? the L's are more valuable than the W. See, when, when you win, you don't learn anything. The only way we expand, grow, appreciate, and acknowledge is losing because the L doesn't stand for losses. It stands for lessons. And when we know that we're being protected and promoted by those lessons to take us to a better place, a better position, when you have faith, you're being protected and promoted. When a client leaves you or you don't get a client or you don't get the job you want or you don't get into the school that you want or don't get the girl that you want, realize there's something better for you that you are being protected and promoted, Mm -hmm. that you have to have faith that although time will reveal the protection and promotion, the faith will allow you to feel. So remember time reveals, but faith feels. And so if you could feel that protection and promotion at the time when you lose a big client and realize, thank goodness, I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know where, but I am so blessed that that client left me. Oh, I'm so blessed I went bankrupt. See, here's the way the continuum works. We give meaning to the defined moments or inflection points in business and in life. At the time when it happens, it's very difficult to give the correct meaning because we don't have enough faith. We spend minutes and moments out of faith when bad things happen, pain, setbacks, failures, and mistakes happen. The faster you can go from the meaning that is not in the trajectory of what you think you want in the future to a meaning that is in the trajectory of what you think you want in the future. So for me, losing over $100 million when it happened, telling my mom I went bankrupt and I lost her house, which was the only reason I wanted to be rich was to buy that goddamn house. And I (laughs) lost it because I didn't take it out of my own name. That day sucked. But I Mm -hmm. managed to give it a different meaning, a meaning to be a better self to take stock in who I was, to live with the values of gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration, to know my daily practices. And here I am 16 years later with a meaning of losing $100 million, going bankrupt, losing my mom's house, my house, my golf course, my ski mountains, and everything else. And now that meaning is one of savior, one of betterment, one that uh, allows me to know, gosh, if that didn't happen, I probably would be dead or I would be alone both not acceptable where I am today, making more money than I ever had, helping more people than I ever have, and having more fun than I've ever had. And so the competitive nature for me is within myself. I'll tell you though, the most competitive thing that is in my life that I have difficulty controlling, Kyle, is watching my son Mm. play baseball and football. I, I if people knew what went on in my head they would never listen to any advice I give because I'm the biggest effing hypocrite in my head watching my kid play sports because I am so competitive for him yeah I want him to win so bad that I I managed it in myself and I only spend minutes and moments you know with separation superiority or inferiority of me yeah. but when it comes to my son, I got some serious issues to work out, but I usually keep them in my head. Every once in a while, something slips out of my mouth. But I'll tell (laughs) you, I got more lessons to come uh, because I can tell he's going to be in very competitive situations in baseball and football, and I better learn how to deal with it the way I learned to deal with it for myself.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. I think Dave, <laughs> that's Absolutely. awesome. But yeah, my girls are seven and 10 and starting to play volleyball, basketball, lacrosse. And it's, you know, I have a hard time sitting, you know, on the, <laughs> on the sideline. I went to walk, I'm pacing. I'm thinking, you just know. wait, man. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Dave, you know, you're an extraordinary person. This was an absolute honor. I appreciate you. I'm humbled by you joining us today. And most of all, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, where can we find more? Where, where can the audience find you? please email me. Like I said, if it's free,
0: it's we. David's my first name at the first initial D, last name Meltzer, like seltzer with an M, david at dmeltzer.com. If you forget that, reach out to Kyle or just Google me. I'm all over the place. So David Meltzer is my name. I'm of service and value. My name actually means beloved servant, and I'm graced to be a beloved servant of you and your community. So please, please, Ask me for help. Join me in any of the activities I'm in. David at dmelcher.com. Thanks, Kyle.
1: I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you so much. And Dave does return emails, so I, I, can, uh, I can vouch for that. All right, my friend, hope to see you soon. I will buy you lunch in Westchester. Let me know when you're there. All right. Look forward to a good steak sandwich and a Padres-Phillies national
0: championship Ooh, game.
1: Let's do it. Thank you, right. Dave. Thank Cheers, you. Dave. Cheers. Right, that'll do it for today's episode appreciate you tuning in i hope you learned something i hope you really enjoyed it and if so tell a friend leave that five-star rating i mentioned earlier and comment on apple podcasts subscribe on any platform spread it around the world let's make it happen i appreciate y'all cheers and beer mighty things